0: Chapter 17 Ramsey It was a sunny day, which would once have pleased Rathbone endlessly. He had lamps enough to see by, of course, and a fine coat to drape around his shoulders for warmth. But the sunlight had a way of gleaming on the mahogany of the table, where he did his business— intended to create a wonderful first impression upon his guests. The entire room had been constructed to Rathbone's exacting specifications by the finest masons he'd been able to contact. Some of them had traveled for weeks for the honor of coming and plying their trade for him. All had been handsomely compensated and sailed back to their homes significantly wealthier thanks to the handful of uncut gems they now possessed. In fact, Rathbone reflected as he padded down the length of the soft green carpet and took his customary place at the head of the table, it had been quite the shock to come home and remember what just one gold coin could buy you. Compared to the Sea of Thieves, where gold and jewels flowed freely from hand to hand, A single treasure chest out here in the wider world could set a man up for life. He had far more than a single treasure chest. And yet, it had rankled him to give away even one box in exchange for the creation of his estate. It was necessary, he admitted, casting his mind back to the earliest days of his new life— which was, in its way, a warped reflection of his old one. It began shortly after he managed to sail the stricken magpie's wing back to Golden Sands on his own, which had given him time to dream up a suitably tragic tale to explain Ramsay's disappearance. Rathbone had never considered himself a storyteller in the way that the others were But the crowd hung on his every word as he forged a fable in which Ramsay, sword in his hand, had been plucked from the deck of his ship by the blinded kraken and dragged down beneath the waves to his doom. He suspected those who remained at the outposts would swallow anything, he said, for everyone wanted to shake the hands of those valiant pirates who'd faced the monster and put themselves in jeopardy for the sake of those back on land. The only people who didn't seem to see Rathbone as a returning champion were his former crew, who were utterly unconvinced by the facts of Ramsay's death. Rathbone had been canny enough to don a pair of thick gloves and hide the black diamond ring, at least, for he suspected that if Mercia spotted it on his hand... She'd cut him down then and there. The grateful shipwright had offered to repair the stricken magpie's wing for free, but Rathbone had no more need of the vessel, other than to stealthily remove the sealed chest from its hold. Once the celebration reached its end, he was approached by Stitcher Jim, and the others he'd helped find their footing in the Sea of Thieves— and together they traveled back to their camp at Smuggler's Bay. It was there that he showed them the skeleton keys he'd snatched from Ramsey's grasp. The men had been lurking in the tavern for the demonstration, so each of them understood what the keys meant for their prospects. Feeling the lock of the first chest click open, and running his fingers through the riches inside gave Rathbone the thrill he'd been missing in all those months spent chasing magic and merfolk. Here, at last, was his reward. The other chests were more difficult to obtain, not just because Rathbone was forced to rely on memories of his travels to help locate and recover them, but also because news of his gang's newfound wealth seemed to be spreading faster than he'd ever imagined it would. They were being referred to colloquially as the Gold Hoarders, and like so many titles bestowed by the Sea of Thieves, the name seemed to stick. Unfortunately, that made their ship an attractive target, and barely any voyage went by without opportunistic pirates attempting to waylay and board them. Nursing a black eye from one such encounter, and reflecting bitterly that no amount of money in the world would help it heal any faster, Rathbone formed a new plan. Passage through the Devil's Shroud, while still an intimidating prospect for an inexperienced crew, was no longer the deadly gamble it had once been, so long as you paid handsomely for the most recent charts— he and his crew began to ferry much of their plunder through the fog, away from the Sea of Thieves, allowing banks and brokers to take it willingly into their vaults for safekeeping. Back home, that amount of gold easily washed away the stain of Rathbone's former crimes, and he was able to establish the gold hoarders as a lawful business venture. He laid out plans for his estate— which would function both as his home and as their headquarters, and as his empire expanded, he found himself spending less and less time sailing the Sea of Thieves. Unfortunately, the newfound legitimacy attracted even more ire from other pirates, many of whom still regarded the trading companies as old enemies. Without Rathbone's zeal and experience at the helm, the gold hoarders began losing ships and people almost every time they set out in search of Ramsay's treasures. Privately, Rathbone suspected that Mercia was coordinating at least some part of the assaults on his ventures, though the two of them had had no direct contact since he sailed away from Golden Sands. Whoever was responsible... Their repeated attacks on gold hoarder vessels saw the company's profits dry up almost overnight. It was Stitcher Jim who had the chance encounter that transformed their fortunes. He was sitting in a tavern licking his wounds after yet another voyage had ended in failure when a grumbling pirate stormed up to his table carrying one of Ramsay's sealed chests. "'I hears only you've got the key what could open this,' he'd growled. "'So it's no use to me. "'Let's split her open and share the contents, eh?' "'It revolutionized the way the gold hoarders did business. "'Rathbone saw to it that a company representative was installed "'at every major outpost on the Sea of Thieves, "'armed with voyage contracts and one of his precious skeleton keys. Now it was pirates that brought the treasure to them, surrendering the chests in exchange for a cut of whatever happened to be inside. Many a new arrival got their start in the Sea of Thieves by cashing in a chest or two, and the rest of it came back to fill the pockets of the gold hoarders. None of it was enough. Rathbone was as rich as Croesus by rights, but still he resented every gold coin, every traded trinket that left his vaults to pay a wage or help maintain the business. He found himself plagued by dreams in which he sailed on an endless sea of gold. His gold, shining and precious, Waves of gemstones were crashing against the diamond-studded prow of his ship, and he found he could count them all. He'd often wake up, twisting the fine silken sheets between his fingers, grasping for the treasure. Now, almost twenty years since he'd first taken the keys in his hand, Rathbone found himself surrendering the last of them, to a slick-haired young man who was to be his latest representative on the Sea of Thieves. He sank moodily back into his seat, only half listening, as his subordinates ground through the meeting's agenda at a glacial pace. The conversation turned to the prospect of purchasing treasure maps from an up-and-coming gang of soothsayers, but Rathbone was hardly listening, preoccupied with staring at his reflection in the polished surface of the table and fiddling with a black diamond ring upon his finger. "'Any other business?' he demanded as the meeting reached its end, already making to leave. But one of his advisors raised a plump hand into the air. With a sigh, Rathbone lowered himself back into his seat. Well, it's not strictly on the agenda, uh, but a couple of our representatives have been hearing rumours about some treasure trove or other out in the wilds. If tavern talk is to be believed, it would represent almost 40% of our annual income. This caused a susceration of interest from the assorted committee members, not to mention rapt attention from their leader. I had considered putting together some voyage contracts and getting some of the more reliable pirates to... uh... No, Rathbone said, slightly too loudly. He looked around at their surprised expressions and amended. That is to say, you know what pirates are like. This will be nothing more than a drunken embellishment or an outright fabrication, mark my words. No reason to waste our time. The gold hoarders always had the best of everything, and the sloop Rathbone commanded was a fine vessel indeed. Nonetheless, it had been many months since he'd last taken to the sea, let alone attempted to navigate the Devil's Shroud. While making his return to the Sea of Thieves, he had a couple of close calls with the tendrils of the ebbing, flowing fog that crept a little too close for comfort. He was rusty, he knew, and the most sensible course of action would have been to bring a crew. No, he corrected himself, it would have been better never to have come at all. He knew he was being irrational, and yet imagining the sight of an unclaimed, uncounted horde, That was his, entirely his, to tip from palm to palm. It was irresistible. He had to have every last glittering Gugor to himself to savor the look and touch and even the taste of the metal. He'd surrender it to no one, not even his own people. And so Rathbone had set out alone— sidled into the only tavern he knew for sure still existed from the old days and learned what he needed to know from its denizens. He was grateful that his long absence aided his anonymity, though he still had to shrink back into the shadows when a couple of gold hoarder representatives wandered in for a grog or two of their own. Currently, he estimated... He was around halfway to his destination, a forbidding island that had only recently been released from the Shroud's grip. It was such a recent discovery that it didn't even have a name, but could, if the rumours were true, be readily identified by the oversized statues on its coastline. He was sure Mercia would have found their origins fascinating— but as far as he was concerned, the ruins were nothing more than a landmark to help guide him toward whatever fortune lay in wait. Sailing by oneself, he decided, was equal parts idyllic and infuriating. Even through his preoccupation with the prospect of treasure, he found that he was enjoying the feel of the ocean as it rocked his sloop this way and that. Perhaps later he could explore. No, he told himself sternly, only the gold matters. Everything else mm. is... is sentiment, and that's poison. The pirates back in the tavern had told Rathbone that the path to the treasure was long and winding, doubtless filled with puzzles and traps to overcome. Well, Rathbone had had his fill of ancient riddles and tests of character left behind by centuries' dead pirates. After twenty years getting used to the Sea of Thieves, he was prepared. He made it to the unnamed island without incident, for which he was grateful, for his fencing practice had fallen by the wayside in recent years. Once there, he began a slow circuit of the shoreline, noting not just the statues, but also every point of interest along the way. A summer squall came and went, but Rathbone continued his search regardless, traipsing through the blustery rain until he finally located a circle of rocks. Their arrangement seemed slightly too perfect, so it was here. That Rathbone began to dig. Just as he suspected, his shovel struck a hard surface while he was hacking away at the sickly vegetation. By clearing the vegetation away, he unearthed a carved stone slab set into the ground. It was far too heavy to move, but that wasn't going to be a problem for Rathbone. He returned to his sloop and trotted below decks, rummaging around until he found one of the explosive powder kegs he'd prepared for the journey. Staggering back up to the beach, he placed the heavy cask directly atop the stone slab, added a good length of fuse wire, sparked his flint, and ran. It was a shuddering boom, and the ancient slab broke neatly in two, one half landing in the sand nearby, and the other disappearing down into the deep hole it was covering. Once again, Rathbone returned to his ship, breaking into a light jog, returning this time with a length of knotted rope that he lowered into the hole until he felt it go slack and knew he'd reached the bottom. Little by little, forcing himself to be patient and methodical, Rathbone broke his way into the ruins underneath the deserted isle, He was absolutely certain that his treasure was waiting for him down there, calling out to him as he worked his way deeper and deeper underground. Finally, another explosive barrel cracked the mortar around a decorative frieze, enough that he was able to lever it aside, and Rathbone forced his way into the enormous hall at the heart of the island. It was a treasure chamber, though that term hardly seemed to do the room justice, for it was piled high with more riches than even Rathbone had dreamed of. Great mountains of gold, scores of rubies and sapphires, fine jewelry and even plates and goblets. All of it had lain undisturbed in a room where heavy tapestries hung from unseen stones overhead. Rathbone spotted a brazier in the wall and quickly moved to light the torches so that he could get a proper look at his find. The huge golden throne that dominated the scene suggested that this place might once have been a secret palace or some treasure vault for some nameless king who liked to linger among his tribute. Rathbone, weak-kneed at the vision that sprawled before him, found himself sinking into that same chair as he gawked as his surroundings and found that it suited him very well indeed. He placed one hand on the arm of the throne and found that the gold was warm beneath his palm, even though they were deep underground. You belong here, it seemed to say. The largest heap of all— was piled in front of the throne, and Rathbone leaned forward in his seat and ran his fingers through the pile of coins and precious stones that lay heaped before him. He had no idea how long he lingered in the forgotten vault, plunging his arms into the cold metal and feeling the coins sift between his fingertips. It could have been hours or perhaps days, had the need for food and water not overcome him, he might have remained below forever. These ruins, he decided, would become his sanctuary. No more would he allow his fortune to be siphoned away by simpering lackeys and underlings who claimed to be faithful to him Rather, he would continue to bring treasures here as he found them, adding more and more to the hidden hoard, and ensuring he knew the whereabouts of every last precious stone in his collection. I need supplies, he thought to himself, but I won't be gone long. Barely had he made it back above ground, however, before Rathbone found himself hesitating Others knew about this place. What if pirates arrived while he was making his preparations and tried to take his fortune for themselves? He couldn't leave it unprotected. Finally, grudgingly, he settled for taking all that he could with him upon his tiny sloop so that he could personally keep watch over as many of his newfound riches as possible filling two sacks and hauling them across his shoulders, so that he was bent nearly double. He made journey after journey back into the vault to collect his fortune. The hold of the sloop was full before long, but Rathbone kept bringing treasures to the surface, stuffing them first under the table in the map room before discarding ammo chests and supplies to make space. Next, he stored what he could on the upper deck— Finally, there was nowhere left to store more gold, nowhere apart from on his own body. He forced rings onto his fingers, and anklets and bracelets onto his arms and legs. A golden crown that was slightly too large for him rested haphazardly atop his head. He was sweating, for the warmth of the throne had never left him. And it was only when he took a look at his hand in the light of day that he could see the yellowing sheen that now coated his palm. A curse, he realized in alarm. But even this misfortune could not prevent him from weighing the anchor and setting sail, casting one final look back at the island and thinking of all the treasure he'd had to leave unprotected. I'll be back soon enough, he vowed. His sloop was now riding so low in the water that even the smallest waves were within inches of breaking over the deck. But Rathbone barely noticed. He was focused solely on setting a course back through the Devil's Shroud and returning to his estate. Once I'm home, he thought feverishly, I'll find someone who can fix my hand. You can do anything if you're rich enough. He fumbled clumsily with the sails, annoyed to find that the overburdened ship could barely make it above a crawl, even with the wind behind him. (sighs) I could lighten the load, he thought, but the prospect of throwing even one coin overboard filled him with such intense revulsion that he forced the idea from his mind and set his gaze firmly on the waves ahead of him, ignoring the stiffness in his fingers. An hour passed, and the island—his island—was barely over the horizon when the ships appeared either side of him. They were both galleons, sporting identical colors and trim, their crew staring impassively down at him from either side. Rathbone swore, grunting as he raised his afflicted arm above his waist to clutch at the ship's wheel. Under ordinary circumstances— he'd have surged the sloop forward, making use of its maneuverability to dodge between rocks or into shallower water and make his escape. There was no hope of that now, however, for the little ship was simply too encumbered. Suddenly, Rathbone understood the real peril of his situation. To see two ships cooperating was unusual enough— but that they had both appeared right when he was at his most vulnerable, with one arm useless and a boat on the verge of sinking. This, he realized, was no mere run of bad luck. This was an ambush. His mind whirled as he thought back to the meeting where he'd first heard about the treasure. Trying to work out who his nemesis might be, Could this whole affair be the machinations of one of the gold hoarders? Someone who was seeking to remove him from power? Or was he perhaps seeing conspiracies where none existed, and he'd simply been recognized in the tavern and followed? The two ships had drawn even closer now, near enough that Rathbone could make out the individual faces peering down at him. He suddenly realized... How foolish he must seem, standing at the helm with a crown upon his head, covered from head to toe in jewellery, with a golden arm hanging uselessly at his side. No one had fired at him yet, fortunately, even though a single strike to the sloop's hull would be enough to sink it and its precious cargo. It might just be possible to talk his way out of this, the captain of the leading ship certainly seemed willing to converse, for he had moved to the railing and cupped his hands to his mouth. But it was nothing Rathbone wanted to hear. Drop anchor immediately and prepare to surrender, he called. You have until the count of ten. One. Two. Rathbone growled wordlessly, but didn't see that he had much of a choice. Struggling over to the capstan, he let the anchor fall, discreetly leaving his sails unfurled so that he could try and effect an escape. He soon realized he wouldn't have the opportunity, however, for the galleons began to circle him like hungry sharks. Slowly and methodically, as if they had all the time in the world, one ship brought its port side across his bow and the other up against his stern, pinning the sloop between their twin frames. A moment later, several powder kegs were tossed into the water, carried by the waves, until they were scraping up and down against Rathbone's hull. Rathbone's head was starting to swim, as the first lances of pain shot up his arm, but he struck a defiant pose long enough to bellow up at the crew's. Sink me if you think you can, you wretches, but this is my treasure, and I'll not give so much as a copper coin to the likes of you. That treasure, Rathbone, of the gold hoarders, is precisely what has gotten you into this mess, the captain replied, leaning forward over the railings, to fix him with a steely glare. The more Rathbone thought about it, the more he was sure that something about the voice sounded familiar. He didn't know this man now, but what about twenty years ago? His eyes widened with a jolt of recognition. Slate, he breathed. And sure enough, the figure looming above him was the same pirate who had lost his ship defending Golden Sands nearly twenty years ago. A life on the sea had aged the man, tanning his skin the color of walnuts, even as his hair had faded to silver. Slate tilted his head very slightly at Rathbone's acknowledgement, but continued speaking as if nothing had been said. We suspected that news of an unclaimed treasure pile might be just what was needed to draw you out of hiding. But we never expected you'd be so foolhardy as to come back to the Sea of Thieves by yourself. Has your avarice really dragged your soul so deep that you can no longer see reason, man? Rathbone didn't respond to this. In truth, he was having trouble standing. Such was the weight of his arm. Slate stared down at him with something akin to pity in his eyes and continued, Our demands are very simple. There are many of us who do not wish to see the trading companies encroaching upon the Sea of Thieves, siphoning away its riches and natural wonders to sell, piece by piece, for their own ends. If you surrender here and now, Rathbone, and agree to begin the withdrawal of your representatives from our waters, "'then we will agree to spare your life.' "'Aye,' Rathbone growled. "'What about my treasure?' "'Slate scowled. "'That treasure is consuming you. "'Look at what it's done to your arm, for pity's sake. "'Give it up and come aboard as my prisoner, "'or I'll have my crewmen sink the whole bloody lot.' "'Rathbone stared up at Slate in amazement.' utterly baffled at the idea that anyone could be so insane as to deliberately consign such glorious, beautiful wealth to the bottom of the sea. Sensing that the man was serious, he desperately began to stuff his pockets, cradling the wealth against him, even as coin after coin slipped from his grip and began to tumble into the sea. Slate had clearly had enough of watching his quarry scrabble helplessly at the impossible task and impatiently gestured one of his crew forward. She held a large rifle in her hand, one of the more modern varieties with a scope atop its barrel, and she steadied against the ship's railing as she sighted carefully. Time's up, Rathbone. Pausing in his futile efforts to gather up the treasure all around him, Rathbone stared up in shock at his would-be executioner. Time had put a white streak in her hair, and a scar had taken one of her eyes, but there was no doubt who it was who was aiming the weapon at his helpless ship. "'The Pirate Lord sends his regards,' Mercia informed him then emptied her rifle into the bobbing powder kegs in three precise bursts. A trio of explosions tipped Rathbone's sloop viciously from side to side, sending water gushing into its lower deck, and the stricken ship's cargo began to tumble out through the newly ruptured hull, down toward the seabed. With an anguished howl, Rathbone flung himself over the railing of the sloop with his golden arm outstretched, eyes fixed on the vanishing coins as they tumbled beneath the waves. Water filled his lungs and burned his chest, but there was another burning there too, a yearning to claim every last one of the golden pieces followed by everything beyond, to have every gemstone and every treasure that there ever could be clutched safely in his fingers. To make it a part of him, so that he and he alone could possess it. To squeeze the life out of anyone who might come between him and his ambitions. The thought of drowning no longer seemed to matter. Not when there was still so much to do, so much to take. He never noticed the wreck of his ship strike the seabed behind him. Nor did he register that Slate and the others were sailing away across the waves high overhead. Rathbone, the gold hoarder, was already on his hands and knees in the inky darkness as his life ebbed away, scrabbling and searching for treasure to fill the void where his soul had been.